Hey, everybody. Thomas Villarreal, president of the Austin Police Association. It is June 15th, 2023. This is the second episode of the Austin Police Association podcast. Um, with us today, uh, I've got Bonnie Caudill from Peer Support, Christopher Irwin, and Joe Swan. Um, absent today, uh, scolder when you see her, Mrs. Uh, Jessica Garner. She's doing some training today, trying to better herself as a cop. So anyways, we'll, we might fly off the rails because she's not here to keep us in, in line, but uh, we'll work through it. Uh, anyways, hey, before we get started, um, wanted to talk to you guys uh, about a couple things. First, um, if you're listening to this, as soon as we put it out, you know, within the past couple days, you saw an email from the APA come out um, about Juneteenth and the the, you know, us thanking the city for kind of reversing course on whether or not they were going to pay us, um, on the front end, uh, or when I say pay us really give us exception vacation for, for Juneteenth being a city holiday. Um, you know, I'd, I'd said it in the email and I'll say it again, you know, a, a huge thanks to chief Mason for number one, like taking the time to listen to the concern that we had. And then number two, um, being open to looking at the law that we, uh, that we sent over. Christopher and I kind of worked on it. I don't know what Christopher probably took us 10 minutes to find the law. Yeah, it was pretty apparent once we were able to track it down to send it over to them. And it seemed to come a common sense to everybody yeah. without a contract. And so we're going to get paid out the same days that every other city employee would. So, so you know, I guess kind of the reality is it probably would have, if we were under contract, we probably would have picked it up anyways from the, from the contract language. But nonetheless, uh, you should see that additional eight hours of exception vacation added to your timesheet for, uh, I think it's like the June seven or July 7th, rather, uh, paycheck. So, uh, as always, if there's an issue with your payroll stuff, let us know. Um, speaking of payroll, another little update. Um, I was invited to the public safety commission, um, on June, sorry, July the 10th. Um, they're going to talk about, um, talking about the overtime issues, the non-payment of overtime issues. I'm not sure why they've all of a sudden taken a, uh, an interest in this, but, uh, but they have. So anyways, going to go over there and see, I don't know that anything's actually going to get accomplished by that commission, but, um, they've asked us to be there. It's my understanding myself and, and chief Perry are going to be there to, to talk on the issue from kind of the association's perspective and the the perspective of the police department. Um, the last kind of just housekeeping thing, uh, wanted to give you guys and gals just a little update on bargaining. So about a week ago, we sent a email over to the city, uh, essentially asking them, you know, what provisions of Prop A do they believe that they have to uh, include in a, in, a, in a potential contract? And um, we also pulled the old contract off the table at that time. So, um, got an email reply back, basically was told that the city intends to, um, to, uh, to implement all aspects of Prop A. So we're, you know, obviously looking at what that, what that means. I have a lunch this afternoon with, uh, the new interim director of the office of police oversight. Uh, so hopefully we can kind of gain some insight and uh, figure out what that looks like going forward. So, all right. So after we wrapped the first uh, episode of this thing, which by the way, uh, how many folks, you were giving us analytics the other day. 
Um, what are we up, we up to? A couple hundred people? Uh, I think the last update I had was somewhere around 250 uh, devices had been used uh, to listen to this. So I don't know if y'all are listening to it and show up, if you're all using the same computers, um, if you're sharing while you're listening, but it, I think it's great. I'm glad people are enjoying this. A lot of positive feedback on this, and we hope to be able to keep up with it. Um, feel like it's a good means of getting information out to you guys. I'm just happy that more than Joe's wife and my wife and my mother like listen to it. So. Yes, my my wife greatly appreciated. <laughs> she she enjoys what she refers to as radio voice. So yeah, there you go. My wife thinks I breathe too loud. Uh, <laughs> it's because you do. <laughs> So anyways, we appreciate you guys listening. We're going to try to keep this thing to uh, right at uh, 30 minutes. It seems like that was a decent kind of sweet spot for folks. Um, and like I said, um, the other time or last time, whatever, uh, if you guys have topics that you want us to cover, ideas, things like that, let us know. Shoot us an email, shoot me a text, uh, whatever works. So anywho, uh, on the heels of us recording the first one, we, you know, pretty pretty clearly wanted to uh, figure out like what's the, the other next topics that we want to talk about. And officer wellness was uh, the the very first thing that came up. I think, uh, I think now more than ever, it's an incredibly important topic. And so we reached out to peer support to see uh, if they could spare somebody for, for a bit of time this morning. And, and we got Bonnie. So good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me here. Of course. If you will take a moment and just kind of introduce yourself to folks that might not know you. I've, I've known you, I feel like, for my whole career, but maybe not everyone has. So, Okay. Um, I've been with APD in December. It's going to be 20 years. It's hard to believe that it's gone by that fast. Um, started out in South Patrol. Then I went over to be a DR in the South Sub. Then I went to recruiting, juvenile gang unit back to patrol up in Edwards sector. And I've been in peer support now a little over two years. Awesome. Awesome. And before you were a police officer here, I was in the Marine Corps for seven years active duty and then 10 months as an active duty reservist. All right. Awesome. So I guess you, you've been in peer support for how long now? Almost two years, a little over two years. Okay. And I guess we just kind of talk to us about like, what peer support was like when you got there? What's changed? What drew you there? Peer support actually has changed quite a bit over the inception because it started out with Sergeant Carey with having the run team. From the run team, then um, Sergeant Armstrong took over, and that was more of like alcohol awareness and things like that. And then Sergeant Cresta took over, and I think that's when it really grew and became what it is now, which is we can handle everything from suicidal thoughts between, uh, you know, having problems with alcohol, addictions to pain medication, financial issues, divorce issues. Like there's really honestly no issues that we haven't seen and haven't been able to find some resources to help officers with those things. Yeah. It's when I was getting ready for, for you to come in and, and talk to us today, it's um, I, I oftentimes tell people like the APA is such a unique place, right? Like it's, you get everybody's problems, whether it's work problems or home problems or, you know, personal problems or home problems outside the home or whatever, right? Like we, we get the gamut over here 
And I oftentimes tell people like, there's not many folks at the police department that understand kind of the scale of things that we deal with. Um, if you're not actively involved in, in trying to help other people, you know, work through issues that they might have. And y'all's group is, is one that a hundred percent gets it. Yes. Um, you know, and I, the other thing I tell people, it's, it's, I'm lucky that, you know, in the time that I've been over here full time at the APA Hall that, you know, with with Joe Brown being the first person kind of on loan over when it was just Tim, um, you know, we fought pretty hard and and put some pretty good pressure, I thought, on the department to say, like, hey, you talk about wellness a lot, but you can't say that you're for wellness. You know, at the time we had 1900 cops. Um and you had one guy that was re retirement eligible who could leave at any time, and you had all your eggs in one basket. And it's just too many, too many people to try to service with one person. And so, you know, when when Joe Brown was put on special assignment over there, like we we fought pretty hard to say, like, hey, I don't care who the person is, but you can't say you're about wellness if you're not gonna be about wellness. And so I totally agree because we've had interactions with other departments where they say they're for wellness, but the way that they're peer support wellness is set up, it's nothing like what we have. So we are very fortunate in this department to have the one sergeant and four officers that are over there because we are very busy with what we have over there. Yeah. So with, with that, um, so you obviously work over there and who, who else works with you? Our sergeant is Jennifer Smith and then Joe Brown, myself, and then we have uh, Ricky Hollis and Ashley Uniskevich. And I also want to talk about, you're talking about, you know, what the APA does. That's, that's something that we want to make sure that officers understand. The APA is here for your chain of command issues and kind of things like that. We're here to help you more with your personal issues that are going on. Because sometimes people do come to us and they have questions about chain of command or they have questions about policy, and we always refer them to you guys. So That's one thing. Um, so Ricky and, and Joe and I are all in the same class, and it's it's super, super easy to communicate with all four of you, all five of y'all, right? Like Jen and I know each other from my time on the, uh, on the negotiation team. Um, so it's, I, I think we're lucky. I think we're lucky that we have such a good relationship. Um, you know, Joe gets a lot of these phone calls that come in um, where, you know, folks need our help. And it's, I, I tell people all the time, it's one of the things that I told Joe when, when Joe came to work with us full time, uh, a few years back was, you know, I don't care who people call. Like if someone needs help, like call peer support. If peer support can't figure it out or if they need our resources, they'll let us know, call us. You know, if it's something that's in peer sports wheelhouse, we'll, we'll kick it over to peer sport. Um, that's why I think that it's good that we have the overlap between us because we do have that good relationship where we can communicate about that. There are a lot of officers that uh, reach out to me just cause I'm been here a long time. Um, I can't tell you how many calls I get regarding peer support stuff. And I, I always guide them to you guys, but there are some that are like, Joe, you got to help me. And I'm on kind of, I don't know if you call it the auxiliary peer support. I've been doing that since day one. Um, I, I want to talk about real quick, kind of the state of the officers right now. They're tired, they're beat down, they're, they're not supported. Um, one of the arguments I had and I'm still having with certain people within the department is about wellness. And I still believe we can do better because I still believe there are too many people 
in the in certain positions in the department that preach wellness, but when it comes time to show it, they're not doing it. There, I, there's more that we can do for our officers because I know how many I've put in treatment in the last six months, and it breaks my heart. Yes, I I totally agree with that. Um, we there's always a time that we can do better and we can do more. So. Um, and, and I think when you talk about officer wellness, I think there's more than just the mental health of the officer. There's the physical fitness of the officer. There's the actual, um, you know, heart conditions, those kinds of things. There's financial wellness. Um, there's nutrition. So, yes, there definitely are more things that we can do. But what we do now is is pretty amazing. I think it's absolutely wonderful. I've never had an officer ever since I've been full-time APA and doing peer support even longer than that, say, man, to heck with those guys. I don't, they didn't help me. No, you, you guys are amazing and we appreciate what you do for sure. Thank you. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I'll say this in, in the short time since the change, right. From, from it being a one man show to now, you know, a three woman, two man show. Um, <laughs> it's uh, our folks are lucky, you know, and I agree. There's, there's stuff we can do better. You know, we can always improve. We could always, devote more time and resources to, to the problems that we have. But, uh, it's, we are light years ahead of some of our peer cities, uh, across America. I totally agree. I um, mean, I want to answer your question about the state of officers. Now, um, we are seeing a lot of people that are still having, um, issues, problems, concerns relating to what they were involved with during the riots. It's taking, a lot of time for them to realize maybe what started the feelings and the concerns that they're having. So that's what we're starting to see a lot of right now. And anybody that is listening, I do urge you guys to reach out and we have resources to help whatever it is. And also, since I've been a part of the unit, you know, over a little over two years, more people are reaching out and they are understanding the confidentiality that no one's going to know what's going on with them. A lot of times things get out to the general population because of something that they've said to other people besides peer support. So confidentiality is something that's very important to us because that allows the officer to feel safe reaching out to us. I agree with that. It's the same with the APA. If there's an officer that I help peer support side or that we help APA, we can't put that out there. We don't. Yeah, it doesn't, do any, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't help anybody. Do uh, Chris, I'm going to pick on you for being uh, the, the youngest in in the room. Um, that cough button's really working for you, buddy. Um, Thanks, pal. <laughs> um, talk about in your time here. So you've been here how many years? You've been here? Uh, it'll be 12 Academy time in August. Okay. So. Okay. So you've been here for just over a decade. Still at the point where you say an Academy time. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's retirement time. That's right. That's right. There it is. He's over the hump. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, God. Um, Talk about kind of. uh, So I remember being, you know, a young officer. uh, My first, my first corporal uh, in Henry Sector uh, started at the Austin Police Department after the Vietnam War uh, when he got out of the Marine Corps and like. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Perry was a was a hell of a cop, um, and probably a hell of a marine. Um, when my mother was a child, <laughs> um, so like I remember looking back and hearing Perry tell stories about how different it was when he started versus you know when I started, and and it's crazy 
when I think back in, you know, the short 16, 17 years that I've been involved with the police department, how much stuff has changed on a, a bunch of different levels. But even as, as, as the young guy kind of air quote, um, how is, how, how have you seen things change from a wellness perspective? Like, uh, and I'll stop there. So I don't say what, yeah, what so I'm thinking. I, I think the biggest thing I've seen, uh, so I started, I hit the streets March of 2012. I'm terrible with dates. So I probably got that wrong. Um, and so in that time, I think the biggest change I've seen is obviously the creation of the peer support unit and their implementation, but really the focus on supervisors developing personal relationships with their subordinates. And that doesn't mean you're having beers with people on the weekends, but just the ability to have a normal conversation. We've all had the supervisor out there who just feels robotic and they're just going through the motions. And I think the department has off and on been able to really harp on how important it is, especially for corporals and sergeants uh, as they're on the streets and in their units to know their people, you know? I mean, we're not dealing with the ideal where we have 15 officers on a shift, you have six guys. So it's not it's not that hard to figure out, okay, uh, Officer X is a type A personality, Officer B is a, is a type B personality, and we all get so much, it's such a better working condition when you have a supervisor who you trust and you feel has best intentions for you and they're looking out for you, you know, not that they're hiding things, not that they are trying to go against what the department says, but just that like, Hey, if I was in a situation at home, I can come and talk to this guy and be on the level with him and, or her and explain like, this is what's going on. And from there, then we can provide them with the resources that peer support has and kind of go, go along with that. And that's just such a huge change that has happened over the years. And I've been fortunate enough to where the vast majority of supervisors I have have been that sort of mentality where I can have a conversation with them. And I'm the kind of person where I'm not really afraid to talk to people. So if you put me in a room, like I'll go talk to them and it's just, using that to then in turn use the resources that the department has available in peer support and get people kind of the help that they need. So you're not just feeling like I can't, I can't talk to my Sarge. Like I can't let him know that I'm scrambling in the door every time because my wife is threatening leaving me and I got two kids who I got to get to school or, you know, I had a little bit too much to drink last night. Like, it's having the ability to have real conversations with people in this department. And that's massive, you know? Yeah, it, it, it truly is. I think, I think the, the ability to have those conversations and also like, I think that we've done a pretty bang up job of trying to reduce stigma to, to whatever level that we, that we have. I, I totally agree with that. I think the stigma has definitely lessened. Um, and, we actually, I taught at corporal school yesterday, and that was one of the things we talked about is having those conversations with your people and then introducing them to some of the resources that peer support does have if there are issues. 
and about getting to the people prior or as soon as possible so that their issues don't become explosive. And not letting them be forced, you know, not these forced conversations, just be natural, you know. Some of us are better at talking to people than others, and so use that. Use that ability to have a conversation with someone. Don't try to be, like when you turn into a surgeon, don't try to be someone you're not because we're all cops here. You're going to see through it. Your, your troops are going to see through it, so be yourself with yeah. them, and people will appreciate that. Exactly, and we also talked about peer support not being a form of punishment. It's we're there to help you. You don't send someone to peer support because – you want to avoid something else. We're there to support the officers. Like uh, you, you get uh, two days without pay and one day hanging out with Ricky Hollis. <laughs> you know, that, that's funny you say that, Thomas, is one of the things I've noticed uh, doing discipline the last few years, and I'm the one that does 99% of the advocating, me or you, on the fifth floor trying to negotiate through this. One of the things I've noticed that I never thought I would see is a lot of supervisors now – especially line supervisors, sergeants, lieutenants, are not just looking at a specific policy violation. They're going a step further. Man, what's causing this officer to do this? What's causing this behavior? Let's address that to prevent this. And it's really working out on the backside because then we're able to ad- able to advocate for that officer during a DRH or a DM. So it, it really is preventative maintenance because – I am very much, and I always have been since the Army, under the impression if, if you take a promotion and you're in charge of people, you had better be working 10 times harder than those people because your job is to take care of those people, not manage them, but to take care and lead them. So I think peer support is doing an amazing job of that. Uh, there's always things we can work on, like we've said. But I got to give the department a little bit of credit. They are listening when we start talking about well, what caused this action, what caused this officer to be in this mindset versus, oh, they violated this policy. They're, they're I, I totally agree with that 100 percent. Regardless of what people think about the fifth floor or whoever their supervisors, they're allowing peer support to be here and do this. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's key and them just being able to realize hey, this is a situation where peer support is going to step in and hopefully it's before it arises to the fifth floor even knowing about it. And hopefully peer support is, and I, I feel like you guys are, there's flyers everywhere and whatnot, out there and able to see these situations that are forthcoming and prevent them. And so that, much preventative. That's exactly our goal. For us to get to whatever the individual, whatever their issues they're having, is to help them find some resources before it becomes an issue of, am I going to get disciplined? Am I going to get fired? You know, that that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to be proactive in those things. Joe, to, uh, to the point that you made, I, uh, I, so I helped a guy when we first got education-based discipline, whatever, whenever that was, right, some years back. When you first got us education-based discipline. And, and Acevedo made us wait three years for it. But, mm-hmm. um, like, I remember a guy getting a day off because he had a negligent discharge with a shotgun. And I'm like, hey, like, this was, like, bread and butter what we made education-based discipline for. And uh, reached out to the commander at the time. And they're like, well, we – he just had one three months ago and we sent him to class and now he had another one. So we're not going to send him the class again. And I'm like, 
okay, well, did anyone stop to think like, what the hell's going on in this guy's life where he's so out of it mentally that we're cranking off rounds into the seat of patrol cars? And they're like, nope, he damaged patrol car. He's got to take a day off. Just A equals B. There's there's nothing else there. And so it's like, just I, I, I too am glad that we've evolved as a department and that, you know, is everybody the same level of good leader? No. Are we ever going to have, you know, an organization with – 18 perfect commanders and you know 81 perfect lieutenants like no we're not going to get there but the but if we generationally generationally change the culture here then then I think we could get there someday right you would hope you'd at least get to something better than we have today it's going to take every one of us to keep keep fighting that fight keep trying to change the culture change the stigma coming onto the department started I don't know, in 2002 I hit the streets in 2002, and I remember supervisors, someone would call in, hey, Sarge, I need a mental health day. Yeah, okay. Well, they're weak. They can't handle it. Guys, if you can't handle this job, it's not for you. That's gone away. And I think I've heard it maybe once or twice in the last five years, and I lost my mind. There were words. Surprised I didn't get a case. That's okay. But I'm very big on that. If you need the time, if you need something, take it. If you need us, we're here for you. Now that, and I'm not trying to turn this into a leadership conversation, but there's been a few over the course of my career that have this mindset of, well, I can't help it. I'm old school. No, you're not old school. You're an idiot and you shouldn't be in that position. They know where they stand with me. It doesn't matter. (laughs) But I think overall we're doing better, but we're just going to, we got to keep trying. I totally have to keep trying. Confidentiality is our bread and butter, both with the APA and peer support. Yes. I kind of want to go back to what you were talking about earlier, where you said a lot of people are dealing with fallouts from the riots that took place in 2020. And I think that's a, one of the key things is that whether you're talking about the actual situation where people are down on I-35 around the main, the the physical toll that was taken on them, but also the mental toll that is kind of the the, long, the prolonged fallout from that where people feel underappreciated. Have y'all seen kind of a building of that? And Yes, because I think most people become cops because they want to help. They want to make a difference. And now all of a sudden, no matter what we do, we're the bad guys in every single situation. And that's just hard for a lot of people to grasp because they're like, what what happened? I just don't understand this. So there's the change of that after, but also, like you said, the physical, they were there, they were getting screamed at, they were getting cursed at, they were getting bottles thrown at them. Um, you know, we can take just so much. And then it's like, I don't understand this. What is, what has been the best way y'all have kind of been able to give people kind of help with the less the, the physical, more of the mental fallout understanding that, Twitter is not real life. What you see on the news is not real life. Like kind of you're doing good work out there, guys. Like people genuinely appreciate you and you're just stuck in a crummy situation right now. They are. um, A lot of times the best thing that's been working is just getting them in contact with resources, such as doing some EMDR therapy. Um, And that's something that I was surprised even in the corporal school that I taught yesterday. Still, some officers don't understand what EMDR is and what it can do for you. So I'm hoping people 
have that question will reach out to us and let us know that we have Dr. Logan, we have Dr. Duran. These are things that are free of charge for you guys to get in there and help you process these things that happened. And again, it doesn't mean you're weak. It just means it was a hard time for you. For the layperson, what is EMDR? It's eye, rapid eye movement desensitization training. Um, and, you know, us cops don't really like to talk about our feelings a lot. And the good thing about this is you just kind of think about what happened. And cops, again, are not into this woo-woo stuff, as I like to say it. But what it is is it's, it's a technique where you can either use a object moving left and right in front of your vision or there's also another technique of tapping. And whatever the brain science behind it is, it helps you file away those memories that you have so that they're not as physically um, traumatic to you when you feel them or when you hear something about that situation. It doesn't make you forget those memories. It just helps you process them and put them in the right place. Takes the edge off the memory. I mean, Correct. That That's in, a good in just one terms for the uh, knuckle draggers out there. So I did EMDR mm-hmm. uh, a few sessions and I did it. It was part of the study grant thing they were doing. So Dr. Logan was like, hey, just come do it. And I'll be honest, I went in there thinking this is some sort of witchcraft. Like, oh, this stuff's not going to work. I'm way too tough for this. It's a seance. And there, man, I'll tell you, there were things that came up that I did not even know were bothering me. And I'm crying in there. I'm like, man, why am I crying? I'm a grown man. And I'm sweating. It was like I was in the scene, but it was like pages of a book were being flipped. And the second we were done, man, I felt this huge weight off my shoulders. And I went home and slept better than I have in 10 years. And that's what we hear from everybody. I'm getting goosebumps hearing you talk about it. Like, same thing with me. I walked out. I felt like this weight was lifted off of me, and it was a weight I didn't even know I was carrying. And I've had so many other people tell me that they sleep, their sleep is amazing. Um, So Dr. Logan likes to say, hey, I've got some free samples. Just come and try it. And that's what I would encourage everybody to do. Just go and try it. You have nothing to lose. They have you list what you think are traumatic events that happened in your career, in your life. And I'll tell you, out of those events I listed, none of those were what I thought. The things I thought were bothering me were not bothering me. It was something else that you just compartmentalize. And it's the science behind it. It's like deep down in your brain, like in your body, really. And it gets that out. You started this by saying, let me talk to the knuckle draggers. I don't think anyone's going to listen to you talk about the brain science. (laughs) That's my smart thing for the day. Now I have a headache. Uh, Yeah. Um, I, I guess, so we're coming up on 30 minutes. We'll kind of wrap our thoughts here. But I, I do think, so a couple of things, right? Like this this idea this that there's still a stigma around, or that there should be a stigma around mental health, you know, uh, especially amongst law enforcement. Um, I think we're moving in the right direction. I, I, will, I will say here very openly, right, that, um, I don't know, a month and a half, two months ago, like called Joe Brown and said, hey, man, like, I'm, I'm struggling. I, I need to talk to somebody and, um, went and did some talk therapy and, you know, um, was incredibly, incredibly helpful. Um, you know, obviously Joe talked about doing EMDR. Um, I know box wouldn't mind me sharing like box did EMDR and was very, very supportive. We've had a few former officers, um, you know, one of them, very openly said like, Hey, this, this saved my life, like life, life changing stuff. So, 
you know, it, whether it's doing EMDR, just going and doing some talk therapy, sitting down with one of the peer support officers, like we have lots and lots and lots of options. Is there, are there other options that officers might not know about? It's so like you guys brought some people in from the community uh, to kind of thank the bargaining team for their work. And like I did some, I think it was music therapy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you talk about woo-woo stuff. Like I was like Himalayan bowl therapy. Yeah. <laughs> Himalayan bowl therapy. And then I don't know, it was probably two, three weeks later. I couldn't sleep. I'm, you know, my mind is racing. I'm, I'm up at two thirty three in the morning and I'm like, I'm going to go to Amazon music and search for Himalayan bowls. And then I slept like a baby. Like I just put it on my phone and, and I don't know what the hell it's doing to me, but it, but it worked and, uh, and I got good sleep. So what else is available for guys and gals that need it? you know, beyond obviously reaching out to you guys. We, we have all, all kinds of resources. We have contacts for yoga. We have contacts for acupuncture, cupping. Um, there's mindfulness. And, and again, there's so many different options out there. Not one thing works for everybody. So it's just willing to be open and trying something because you don't have to be stuck being sad. You don't have to be stuck being angry. Um, just go out there and try some other things. Well, I think that's a good way to, to, to wrap this one. Bonnie, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for, for coming. Um, uh, a, a huge, huge thank you to the entire Peer Support team um, for all the, the great work that you guys do. Um, we, we, would, we would not be, it would be worse if we didn't have this team. Um, I, I know that for, for sure. So anyways, um, thanks for listening, guys and gals. We appreciate it. And uh, y'all stay safe and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you guys soon.